Um, my name is Audrey. I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Hi. Hi. Um, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again, which I'm going to do right now. <laughs> um, the opinions expressed here today are, are those of uh, individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters and Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded that when sharing to speak your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. foyer. Um, Okay, I will share for 20 minutes, just found that out by reading this, yay, <laughs> I will share for 20 minutes followed by 5 minutes of Ask It Basket questions, finishing up with open sharing, which I'm super happy to do. Um, Alright, so let's begin with a reading from For Today, page 2. Um, does anyone, did anyone see a four today out in the audience? Oh, cool. Um, yes, does anyone want to do that? All right, awesome. Beautiful. Um, hi, I'm a Braille compulsive eater. Um, I was only, when I gave up being in charge, that the reality of abstinence with peace of mind entered my life. All my progress towards sanity and balance come from that one magnificent change. Thanks, Deborah. The microphone is for recording, no projecting purposes, I believe. I haven't been in this room before, so. Um, all right. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to pretend I'm a rock star. Yes. I don't have to pretend. <laughs> um, all right. Fantastic. Well, uh, my name is Audrey, and I'm a compulsive overeater um, still. Um, and I am happy to share for, for 20 minutes. Um, I... I definitely, and I knew what the topic was ahead of time, so um, anyway, um, very grateful to be in an OA meeting at an OA convention. Um, just kind of like want to briefly share that uh, this program has saved my life in so many different ways, and um, being in community with OA people for an entire weekend um, is always transformative like I always understand a new or more complex or more sincere level of program when I'm around this much fellowship 
Um, and for me, um, yeah, I am of the agnostic atheist variety. Um, and I, the, the doubting Thomas in me, um, very much appreciates how much higher power is present in, um, the voices of others and the collective consciousness of a group and the energy that is just profuse throughout this community. Um, and so I feel, uh, awake with that energy right now. Um, I feel joyful about my ability to earn my seat here since 2004. Um, and my ability not only to, to earn it, but just to be welcomed with such love and consent and like acceptance for the entire time that I have been here. Um, and I have ha I have a personal story which includes relapse, which includes somebody asked this question the other day in the sexuality and body image workshop. Um, it, it was along the lines of like, what do you do when you don't want to do program anymore? And I have a story that relates to that. I have a story where it's like, I didn't want to be here for several years where I was afraid of my lack of motivation. I was afraid of, um, not, um, being able to make it because for a while life got so complex and difficult that I didn't care. And I kept coming back, and I didn't have to relapse. I didn't care about twelve step. I didn't like, like that has been a part of my of my journey. Um, so uh, I've been through a lot of different experiences after saying I am powerless. Like you know the whole like I loved the other topic that I loved from the marathon meetings was um, let go or be dragged. <laughs> so um, you know I think that uh, definitely most definitely um, there has been an experience in my life of holding on to different things for my perceived joy or noticing that I was holding on to things for safety beauty, joy, entertainment, chaos, um, satisfaction, safety. I was holding on to certain things in my life and didn't even realize it or realized it and couldn't let go for a long time. And then um, this program enabled me to do that. But much of my growing up in here um, has happened after I have said, I cannot do sugar, I cannot do flour, I cannot do food of my, like most of my um, true growing up in this world has happened then. So topic for today, I'm going to um, change the way you look at the world and the world changes. Um, what a beautiful topic. So I'll definitely bring my, my share back to that. But most of my life experiences have been about saying, changing the, I can't, I will never be able to do this. I could never survive without blank to what if I can do this for one day? And that one day has lasted from my moment of surrender until me standing here right now in front of you this morning, you know, um, there's a part in the book, big book that I love that, um, 
something to the effect of, I'll butcher it, but it's okay. Um, something to the effect of um, where there was once like a whole schema of rules, patterns, designs by which to live by. I'm paraphrasing. We have now been replaced with an entirely different set of rules, patterns, and designs to live by. Um, it's like we're on different footing. And um, I just didn't perceive that that was possible. I didn't think like I could change once I was like set in the way that I understood the world. I just didn't perceive that anything would be different from that. Um, so I'll go into a little bit of like, hey, how'd that happen? What were you like before? What happened? What are you like now? Um, the general routine. So, um, um, okay, so um, qualifying came into the program when I was 300 pounds, stopped weighing after 298, I think. Um, I was 24 years old. My knees were giving out. I couldn't do steps. My blood sugar was crazy. Um, I had two hospitalizations related to weight stuff. Um, I loved food, Italian family. Everybody loves it. It's entertainment. It's safety. It's support. It's everything. Um, I grew up with inside the house. We eat like we want to. We eat like we want to. Nobody knows because it's our family secret, except you can see it on the outside. Um, but everybody knows what. Um, but inside our walls, we don't. We don't really show our our cards to anyone else. Inside our walls, there's junk food. Inside our walls, there's second helpings. Inside our walls, there's dinners that last for three hours. There's. Um, and there's never, never a moment where I can't find a binge food. And our favorite family activity from the time I can remember um, was uh, get, we had like two recliners and lots of squishy couches in the living room of our old, beautiful Victorian farmhouse. And I remember just so clearly that after 8 o'clock every day, everybody goes to dinner and then everybody goes to the recliner. And it's video games and TV for the rest of the night um, until we go to bed. And and um, and we all would just sedate, sedate, sedate every day. Remember every time that I would wake up as a kid um, during the week, I got most excited the one one time a week when we got to go to Hardee's, which was like a fast food restaurant. I don't know if we have Hardee's out here. Um, and like that was like my treat. Or the one time that I would get like a candy bar in my lunch, like I would like look forward to these things. Um, bullied super hard as a kid, same 32 kids in my eighth grade class um, that I had been with since second grade, transferred over from Montessori because funny thing about Montessori, Montessori is like the work is optional because kids are supposed to be like advanced learners and do what they're supposed to, you know what I mean? They're not supposed to have a natural curiosity for learning and explore. So they told me the work was optional. I just decided not to do it for a year and finally my parents were like you might we might need to try traditional school for this little kiddo so anyway I came into my um uh wonderful um traditional school environment when I was in second grade and I loved the hippie kids I'm still a hippie kid I loved the kids but um yeah, it was just it was it was. Uh, I understood academically what was expected of me, and I just did it because that's just what you did. Um, and uh, but for the first year, things were okay. And after about third grade, I started really putting on the pounds, and um, you know, kiddos. Um, 
Sometimes they can be cruel. Sometimes you're made fun of on the playground. Sometimes they chase you around and kick your butt until it jiggles as a game for points and to see who can do it the fastest. Sometimes that's your experience as a kiddo. And sometimes by the time that you are in seventh or eighth grade, you're pissed, you feel entitled, and uh, you don't know how to stop eating compulsively. So you do other things for attention. Get as high as you can. Um use your body as leverage for attention sexually. These are all things that I did um, when I was a kid. So um, anyway, uh, I, um, and that was like at 14 when I, when I really changed that. And I went from quiet, quiet, introverted girl. And my first change in perspective was, well, if I can commandeer some popularity, then I don't have to deal with this feeling of smallness anymore. I'd, I'd say that now as an adult, knowing how I felt when I was 14 years old. So I went from privately defined world of I am bullied, I am quiet, I don't tell anyone, I don't know how to, I didn't even know what compulsive overeating really was, but I knew I was big and I just thought that was my lot in life. And I deserved somehow the amount of um, making fun of me that occurred. And by 14, my change in perspective was, I've just been through a lot, and I the world owes me. So, um, world owes me, and combo with hormones, not so good Oh, for, uh, <laughs> mm. and, you know, that happens with a lot of teenagers. I actually work with 7th and 8th graders now, work with teenagers, which is the coolest job ever. Um, higher power doing exactly for me. Um, amazing things in this world. But um, going back to me at that age, I just thought I am going to show this world who I am, which ultimately does come from a value. Like it does come from a place of like, I know that there's justice and I know that like I deserve better. And I believe that that like parcel was kind of like communicated to me and I got very interested in saying, I don't want to be unnoticed anymore. My, my tools for doing that were 14 year old tools. My tools for doing that included like automatically believing I'm, I am not good at the good girl thing. So I will go like, I will go the other way, um, to, get any amount of attention that I can. And, you know, and that's what I did. I just, um, boyfriend after boyfriend, I will be noticed for status in relationships. If you have sex with me, that means my body's okay. Um, it's loved or accepted at that moment. And maybe that's something I can give super young to be sexually active, but that's what I did. Um, because this, this addiction really placed me in a, dysmorphia or dissociation from the body that I have. Um, so anywho, um, I, um, went to a, a ton of parties. I was like as goth as you could be. Like I was just, <laughs> I was just, uh, I was just really, it was really clear to me. My parents were like, where did our girl go? Like they were so confused <laughs> there. They just, and, um, <laughs> And it wasn't until I was much later in life that I realized I had accumulated all of these behaviors um, because of a sense of my own 
smallness, because of my idea of self-worth, because of my, I, you know, I knew that I was not the kid that really was given the love and t- the attention from the universe that maybe like is deserved. But, you know, my self-concept and then, and then when I was 14, I thought, like, I deserved better, and I did. But, um, but if that today comes from higher power, that means that, again, my perspective is it isn't owed to me. It's already here. Like, I already have the self-worth. I already have it inside me. I already am fundamentally good. I don't need to construct and engineer experiences to feel loved. My sense of um, being a passive entity. I was I was worried that if I was going to be a passive entity again, then I was going to be um, bullied again. You know, it was all from this place of fear, and I'm worried I'm going to be bullied because I don't deserve to be bullied. So it was like these extremes of like either I act out or I'm a victim. But I didn't understand that yet that I could be a peaceful person in the world that didn't have to be defensive or a doormat. Um, And so, um, anyway, so by the time I'm 24, um, I'm sober, which was an incredible feat, um, in love with food still, and very unsure of how to survive without that particular experience in my life. Um, So I, um, but I began to see that, that life was something that I could participate in without these band-aids of experience, um, without these crutches, without these addictions. Like I began to see that there were other ways to exist in the world that my own way of dealing with my self-concept could be potentially off. So, um, Anyway, um, so I remember um, after one of my hospitalizations at 300 pounds when I was 24, I remember um, coming home from that. My parents came up because I had gone to the ER. They came up. um, I was going to yoga, and I had the kindest yoga teacher who was like, literally said this phrase, I am concerned about your adipose tissue. (laughs) So I go home. I get on the phone with one of my friends. My yoga teacher called me fat. (laughs) You know, that's what, that's what I said immediately. My yoga teacher thinks I'm fat. What did they, now they knew me really well. What did they actually say, Audrey? What did they actually say? I'm concerned about your adipose tissue. Could they be actually concerned? Could that be the very loving, courageous friend of mine? Change in perspective. Change in per- I'm seeing the world now as not my enemy. Oh, maybe I don't have anything to defend, Audrey. Like, maybe this is good information. So, of course, as any good compulsive overeater would do, I made a re- resolution to get on a diet and go to yoga for a year. Like, I knew OA existed. I did not go to OA yet. Um, and uh, anyway, um, 
after a while, I became willing. I had a friend who was in OA, and I thought, okay, this will just be good for me. And I didn't have any willingness. So I stuck around OA for a year without getting on a food plan, without getting a, a sponsor, without working steps, because I was willing to just show up. I am very much one of those people who doesn't shame that, that is, says over and over and over again, don't quit before the miracle happens. Keep coming back. I don't care, personally, if someone in this room had a binge this morning. I'm really glad you're here. Like, I don't care. I don't, ju- like, I wouldn't say, I don't like your food plan or that doesn't work for me. I am not the person to judge that. What really, really works for me is saying, just earn your seat. Because the more that I heard the message, I literally practiced step one and step two, listening to other people in this room for a year, knowing and owning my own powerless right when I walked in, powerlessness. But then also I came to believe that this program would work for me by seeing the legit experience of others and recognizing that like, I am you and you are, you are me. And potentially, maybe, just maybe, if I decide to do your stupid ass experiment, it may or may not work for me. But nothing's going to change if I've done what I've always done my whole life which is defend or hide, right? So my change in perspective and all of a sudden, like, you know, the world around me becomes, we are not these, like, people that are better than you or worse than you. We're not these people that, like, are just filled with the joy of, like, superficial spirit. All of a sudden... These people went from other people that I resented sometimes to people who would carry my life force with them, who would take my calls every day, sometimes multiple times a day, just so I didn't have to take a compulsive bite. And I tried this solution for one day. And that was literally in 2004. That was 12 years ago. I have maintained the weight loss. I've had relapses. I've kept coming back. I love the people in this room, wherever, wherever anyone is at in their journey. And I do not live in the same world that I lived in when I was in grade school, when I was in high school, or even one year ago, right? Um. So, okay, so stoked I got to share these. This was, this was cool, a cool way to wake up. <laughs> um, and I'm really grateful member of OA, and I'm really excited to be a listener and hear other people's um, perspective on this. So um, that's it. That's all I've got.
Um, so I'll just read the little scripty guy. It says, uh, now it's the, the time for open sharing. Please come to the podium if you would like to share and sign the recording release form. Please stick to the topic. And the timer will remind you to stop at three minutes. So the topper, topic, again, is change the way that you see the world. And the world changes. And um, I'm going to flip to making sure that the release form is right here. So we're all good to go for that. And then I'll step out of the way. Yeah. Cool. Um, sure, sure. I can do that. No problem. Should I do ask? Should I do ask it basket questions first? Or no? Okay, I'll do that one. Okay. Maybe I'll come back at the end. I'll do one now and then I'll come back. And then I'll come back at the end. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, cool. Um, Audrey, thank you so much for your share. How do you work your program on a daily basis? Do you write, pray, call, sponsor, and have a written food plan? Um, totes for sure, man. Um, absolutely. I, um, uh, my default is, uh, to relax into not checking in. So the ways I, um, which is just what I, just what any person does. So anyway, here's what I do. Um, every day I wake up and I, I share with my sponsor, my top and bottom lines, my top lines, are things that I do for self-care that day. It can be anything joyful, including getting to a meeting, um, practicing any tool of the program, um, intentions, et cetera. So, um, bottom lines, I will not eat sugar today. I will not eat flour today. My bottom line behaviors, things are absolutely, share them every day, text or caller, um, make it to three meetings a week. I plan my food ahead. I try my best to call when that changes. I have, um, a food plan that I follow from a nutritionist that involves, um, three portion meals a day and one snack. Um, and... Um, I absolutely, my version of prayer, like I very much look to the higher self and the God within, um, I define higher power as just this ephemeral energy in the universe that I literally cannot understand, um, cognitively and, um, and I pray to that, that sense of destiny, that sense of my intuitive self, good intention and, um, and also I do a little bit of practice every day around saying like my most recent mantras have been, that's not my food. Um, I also practice at the end of the day saying the kitchen is closed when I'm done eating for the day. Um, okay. Next question. Um, and did it get this away? Oh, cool. Awesome. Great. Um, were you afraid of becoming someone else losing your sense of identity with all of these changes in program? Absolutely. Um, that is such a beautiful question. Um, I went to, um, I promise this will come back to, um, to the, the topic. I went to a convention and I went, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then lived in Indianapolis, Indiana for a long time. Got abstinent in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I was at a convention one time in Indiana. Um, and those ladies knew how to kill it. They were awesome and handful of guys. Um, they were awesome. And 
there was, I remember just like beelining into that convention, dropping my bags, going to the first workshop and just stumbled in there. I was going through a really hard time. And she said that her entry into recovery um, was like a French poem that from her childhood that she had translated. And I'll share this poem with you. And it's very simple. And it goes, jump. We will fall. Jump. We will fall. Jump. We will fall. So it pushed them. And they flew. And that was the first thing that I heard when I walked into that that convention that day. I was so afraid. Where is my net? What's going to happen? Am I going to survive? How? Who will I be? Those fears keep me rooted in the same behaviors that I've done my whole life. That fear makes surrender real in my experience. That feeling is a part of the process. Because there's risks and there's benefits on each side of any decision. Do I regret jumping? No. Did I fly? Yes. Did I fall too? Yes. But not to the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's no other. Right, let me see. Oh, there's one more question. <laughs> How does one get abstinent? Um, that is, wow, that is awesome. <laughs> um, okay, I'll just share my experience. Um, uh, I mean, definitely, like, there's the tools, there's the specifics, there's the go to a nutritionist or get a food plan or, like, the logistics or um, figuring out what bottom lines are, figuring out what your blacklist food items are, writing those down, working with a sponsor, working on steps one, two, and three. Those are all things that you can do on the outside. Um, Recovery is an inside job. It's not going to work for me unless I'm willing. No one else can make me do this program except me, right? And so how do I get abstinent? I can work all of those tools. I love the phrase that right action leads to right thinking. Right thinking does not lead to right action. If I thinky-think about what I'm supposed to do, I'm just not all of a sudden going to wake up abstinent one day. It's not going to happen. I need to pick up the phone. I need to ask for help. I need to get help from all of my community of people to be able to do this. Um, If I am not willing, and this is a life or death illness, right? If I am not willing to do this, which is normal, um, then I pray for willingness and just see what happens. There will be a day, I promise, when you wake up and you say, today is the day that I have a tiny bit of willingness and I'm willing to do this stupid-ass experiment that you guys like. That you seem to be happy about, and I do it. So, but you, if you do what you always did, you're going to get what you always got. So you got to do something new. So that's my general summary. There's lots of opinions about that, so keep asking whoever wrote that question down. Keep asking lots of people, not just me. 
Okay, I think that's all the questions. I really am excited to pass the mic to other people. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Martha, and I'm a food addict and a grateful one. When I came in this program, weighing 100, 300 pounds, lost 155 pounds, I knew I had to change my way of looking at the world because I was not happy with myself. I did not like myself, and I didn't see myself when I looked in the mirror. But when I went home and cleaned my kitchen out, because if I knew, it took me 65 years to get this program. And it wasn't getting any better because everything I tried, peels, exercise, shots, diets, none of that stuff worked. And the doctor told me, you better stop. I broke my thyroid by doing an anorexia, bulimia, and then eat, 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 eat your way out of life because it didn't get any better. Pain will do that to some of us, to me, <laughs> because I lived in pain all my life. Rejection, violation, you name it, I've had them all. And I've been the alcoholic, the drug addict, the food addict, the shopper addict. The every, everything I do in my life is addiction. I don't know how to stop. And when I got into this program, I went home and cleaned out my kitchen because it's all about change. And I love this program. I find myself in everybody I see and everybody I hear. And that's what gives me the strength, not only my steps, not only putting my food, three meals on the scale and weighing them, talking to a sponsor, being a sponsor, getting up here and making myself say what I feel inside, because if I don't, it's just another excuse for want to pick it up, want to pick it up. And I want what I have today. I'm going to have seven years, August the 8th, and I sacrificed a lot to get those 155 pounds off immediately. I'm not kidding you. I was so beating myself up because of the things that I realized in this program, just listening to everybody fed me. It fed me so much that I just beat myself worse. I am my own worst enemy. I didn't need all those abuses and beating up and battered and I'm not supposed to even be here. But I have a higher power and I've always believed in that God. If it wasn't for that, I would not be here since I was a baby. But he loved me enough to let me know that he loves me even if nobody else wanted me or rejected me, didn't have time for me. But the bad thing about being in that is if you don't change, how do you teach your children how to love and forgive and express themselves? 
I've had to work with that too. And they've had to go to, for help for that. So I know that change is important. And how I look at things and how I feel things isn't always right here with a broken chip. Thank you and keep coming back. I'm Rex, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thanks for your lead and your share. Uh, I got a lot out of it. Uh, I was thinking about uh, that. Uh, I like really like the topic because I have to live in this world, and uh, and there's a lot of things that I don't uh, agree with, and there's a lot of people that are spiritually sick, and there's a lot of people that have the same character defects that I have. And those are the ones that bother me the most because, uh, you know, I can really spot them. They say if you could spot it, you got it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so, uh, you know, doing uh, step work, I've uh, come to some realizations. And a lot of times I give the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of times I do believe that people are doing the best they can. And uh, they may be spiritually sick, and that's the only thing they know how to do. So, um, so I've, uh, before program, I've had ways of, of maybe trying to change things or tell people how to do things or whatnot, and that does not work. Uh, I've been trying to uh, change my mom for many years, <laughs> no, and that will never happen, I don't think. But, but, you know, our relationships got so much stronger. Why? Not because she changed, because I changed. Um, you know, one realizing that uh, she won't change. And uh, another was setting some boundaries, and uh, that was hard to do, very uncomfortable in the beginning, but that worked, and now the relationship's as good as it is right now. And um, uh, so the big book tells me sometimes that, uh, you know, some people are spiritually sick. How can I help them? Like, how can I help them? I don't want to help them, you know. But um, so I can pray for a person. Uh, You know, the big book also says that the resentment is the one number one offender. It'll take out more compulsive overeaters than anybody than anything else. So and they all say that resentment is the dubious luxury of, of normal men. I'm not a normal man, a man, when it comes to food. Um, and uh, so I've heard some things that uh, have helped me. You know that uh, uh, that people do things that annoy me, but not necessarily to annoy me. So there's sometimes people do things, but it's not really directly at me, you know. Um, uh, other things that have helped me, if, if I can't change a situation, I can change my attitude towards it. And, and there's some cognitive therapy stuff that I've done in the past, but they're, they're good uh, mantras or whatever to help me. And, uh, uh, you know, I heard this, uh, I don't, I'm going to mess it up, but I, I got the gist of it. And I don't remember the whole, but it's kind of like this, these two people are, we're walking, and they go, well, you know, why don't they uh, pave, you know, they're walking barefoot, and I'm going to wrap it up. Why don't they pave the whole world in leather? That way we won't hurt ourselves as we walk throughout the whole world. And the other guy is, well, why don't we just buy a pair of leather shoes? Thank you. Hi, my name is Tony. And uh, I just wanted to share that, uh, hi everybody, 
the addict in my mind uh, has lived there for a long time, and the voice was very large. And that addict actually, in many ways, saved my life. And so to say that I'm a compulsive overeater, I thank God that I'm a compulsive overeater and that I had that uh, as a go-to place, you know, rather than um, it saved me, it kept me alive is what it did. But sooner or later, that addict, the first person that I will lie to is myself, And so what I had to do in order to change things around was to realize what the addict was telling me and what I was believing and write that down because the addict has quite a conversation going at times. But it gets to a point where the addict will will constantly lie to me. And um, so when I confronted that with this is what the addict is telling me, and this is the truth, and then rerun those tapes in my head, it was like going to boot camp. I really had to retrain my mind from the addict mentality to the recovery mentality. And the things that were true were the ones that were going to bring me back to health. The addict was pretty well committed to uh, keeping me um, sickly, safely. And now I can be in the healthy Thank you. Hi, I'm Ellie, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater and compulsive food shopper. Uh, the one of the things that I learned in program uh, first on uh, was. Bless you, change me. And someone, when I, I was married 30 years when I, my husband and I got divorced. It's fun when your own children says, Mom, you need to divorce Dad. It only took me five more years to figure that out. Um, And somebody gave me a task to bless my ex-husband, or my, well, soon-to-be ex at that time, and I was so angry, I would say with my mouth, you know, bless his time and, you know, and hopefully he gets a good job and everything. But in my heart, I was saying, I hope he breaks his leg, crashes his car, loses his job. But after a period of time, my heart changed. And in doing that, it helped me change how I look at the world and how I look at everybody. Because we all have people that create animosity in our lives and so I will I do that mantra of bless them change me although I have only one into one person that I couldn't bless her but I prayed to change me and that helped my change my aspect of the world and early in program my daughter was a psych major in college and I ran into a scripture at my church that made me mad because the last phrase of it was self-discipline. And I'm going, what the hell is that doing in the Bible, you know? And, and, my, and my daughter said, if it makes you so angry, you need to look at why it makes you angry. And 
I had to study my head, you know, look in my head where the anger was coming from. And the anger was because I lived a life of chaos. That way nobody can control me. And the, I would control the situation by the chaos that I lived. And so when I started working on the self-discipline, my world had changed a lot. My life, I'm a slow learner, as I've heard from a lot of the other speakers at this convention. And I go slowly, but I still get that two-by-four in the side of the head from my higher power saying, hey, stupid, pay attention to this part. And that's one of the things that I've learned in this program is to stay aware of what's being said to me in my surroundings and what message I'm being given by God from Susie over here or Bob over there or Mary. You know, it's, it's just amazing to stay aware of who you are and the people around you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Cher. I'm a compulsive overeater. Well, I was thinking about the promises that are in the big book. And it says in the beginning, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. And I thought about the word painstaking means taking pain. And this program has caused me to feel, in the beginning, pain. Um, it's, it gets me in the pit of my stomach if I am craving. It makes me feel like I'm going to die if I don't have X. Um, for me, X was sugar because I was total total sugar addict. I didn't want anything but sugar. Anything like chicken or vegetables or, you know, any number of healthy things never appealed to me because back when I was eating sugar, that's all I wanted. So when I uh, first got abstinent, my abstinence included sugar. So my sponsor said, um, yeah, you can have you can have sugar after you eat. Just you know, limit it. And I I didn't know how to limit it. I didn't know what is a reasonable amount or a serving of dessert. So she said, I said, well, cookies. Cookies was my main thing. Cookie monster. Here I am. So um, I asked her, you know, what's a moderate amount? And she said three. So I was having three after breakfast, three after lunch, three after dinner. And in certain cookies, that's like a bag. That's like a package. Uh, I won't name the brand, but it was like my favorite. And when I determined that I wasn't losing any weight and I was still feeling pretty crazy because it's – I. Because I had to take 
a bag of those with me in my purse to anything that we did outside the house. I did. I couldn't be without them, and I went from those package that package to a natural one. <laughs> so it was a continual battle. So anyway, painstaking. I took pain when I decided to get off of it. They'd say that sugar is um, eight times harder to get off of than cocaine. That's what I've heard. It's very addictive. So anyway, I, it takes it takes what it takes. But for me, that's that's where it worked. And the promises came true because of um, fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which just baffle us. A lot of things baffled me, and I'm telling you, it's nothing but freedom for me. It's total freedom. Thank you. Is there a pen up here? Oh, yes. Sorry. Hi, my name is Mary H., and I am a compulsive overeater. And uh, great topic because I think uh, that's all I'm learning about in this program is change. You know, people talk about when you read the big book, how many times it's talk about change, change, change. And um, I love all the shares because there's so many thoughts that went through my head about how, you know, how am I changing? And um, and one thing that I want to focus on is in the big book, you know, as we're working the steps. And for me, when I got to step four, the, the way I was brought through it was to not relive my trauma, you know. My, my sponsor didn't need to know my trauma. It wasn't important to her to know all the details. And I wasn't there to convince her that these people needed to be hated. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, I need to really, she needs to know how terrible it all was. And um, she said, no, no, that's not really the purpose here. And um, so I learned to go through it and at least identify where I was resentful, what I was holding on to. And then, how? What was it affecting? How you know my ambitions, my my security, all those things that we see in the big book. And then the part that I didn't ever really understand was that fourth column, where I need to look at my part, however little. And how did I get the ball rolling? And that was really hard to do, even after I was told to do it, and I was told to look at my fear, my my dishonesty, my selfishness, and my self-seeking, to look at those three kind of core character defects, it was still hard to see. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, she was really a bitch. I, was, I, I didn't really do a whole lot. And, and, but, but that, I know I only have a few minutes, that was where my change came, was that I needed to get out of you know, it was all self-centered, that selfishness. And one of the basic things I found in all my columns, that I was looking at all, most of my family members, people I love, people close to me, and saying, your behavior makes me uncomfortable, and I want you to change. I don't like how you behave. And, and you need to stop that, because that doesn't work for me. And that's, 
you know, obviously very selfish. And so that kept repeating itself. And every person I kept saying, she talks too much. And, and he's not nice. And, and, uh, and it didn't, um, well, I just, that was the change. I started seeing how, how it was all about how it made me feel. And I wasn't accepting them for exactly who they were, right? And uh, which I was told in theory, but I started to understand it. And then the dishonesty was that I was, you know, I could go on, so I won't, because I think we're going to a closing ceremony pretty soon here. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. Okie doke. Thank you, everyone. Um, let's see what we've got here. Thank you all for sharing and participating. It's now time to close this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with, I'm going to do this. Let's do the serenity prayer.